Welcome to the Glow Church Podcast. We are a global church committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus around the world. I'd love to invite you to join us for a service at any of our locations or join us online for our live stream service. I trust that today's message will bring hope and purpose to your life. So I'm going to do something that you should never do. This is like communicator advice 101, things that you should never do in a public setting where you are speaking to a group of people. But I am going to do this. I am going to divide the crowd. Is that all right this morning? All right, so here's what we're going to do. I need to ask a question, and you can respond by putting up your hand, okay? How many people here, uh, you like long drives? Give me the light. Put your hand up in the air. Wow, that is a lot of people. Just, just I want to clarify, you enjoy being in your car for long periods of time. Just one more time. In fact, you're the people who are like, you know what? We have a day off. Let's go for a drive. You, you fascinate me. That's amazing. Really? You really like this one more time. Put your hands up. Look, you can see all around the room. Yep. What? Look at all you guys. You should, get, you should get a club or something. I don't know what's going on. Like, that's amazing. Okay. How many people here? You are the antithesis of that. You loathe the long drive. Give me a little what. Oh, there are my people right there. You see, I, they, keep your hands up. Look, this is a support group. Let's get together, right? I don't, like, I don't understand people who like long drives. I'm like, what? I have people in our church in, in a city location. I'll be chatting with them. Like, what are you doing on the weekend? Oh, we might go for a long drive down the south coast. I'm like, why? Do you want marriage troubles? Like, do you want to bring tension on your marriage? Like, why would you do that? Why would you subject yourself to that metal box on four wheels for hours at a time? Like, why would you? You see, I, I do not like long drives. I can't, my wife is always saying, like, obviously we're in Sydney. She's like, hey, you know, babe, what we should do? We should actually drive to, to the Gold Coast one time. Let's go for a holiday and drive up. I'm like, no. Who has been whispering in your ear, Lucifer? Like, what is how? Like, why would you say that to me? I, I don't understand. Now you could think, James, that like, come on, buddy, what's wrong with you? Well, really, it, it started at a very young age. What's wrong with me? Thank you for asking. But at a very young age, I was scarred. I was scarred by the long drive, okay? And here's the reason why. I, I, I want to show you a picture, okay? And it might, and I maybe need to put a warning because this might trigger some people. I'm not too sure. But I, um, I want to show you why I do not like um, the long drive. Can we put this picture up on the screen? Uh, thank you, guys. I don't, want, I don't want to look at it. I, don't, I, don't, I do not even want to make eye contact with this photo. This is, if you do not know, is called a Volvo 200 Series station wagon. How many people, you are familiar with the Volvo 200 Series station wagon? Give me a little wave. Okay, if you are unfamiliar with this, this is actually a seven-seater vehicle. Um, just so you know, I come from a family. Uh, I have literally, my, I have four older sisters, myself, my mum and dad. Everyone's like, well, that explains a lot. Um, I, have, I have four, so again, there's seven of us in the family. And my mum and dad, they actually, my dad likes skiing. So he would say, hey, let's take the family to a place called False Creek, which is in Victoria. So it is a 10 hour plus drive to get there. And this is the vehicle of transportation. When you hop in this vehicle, let me tell you something about this vehicle, okay? When you drive in this, there is the normal, you know, there's a driver's seat, there's a passenger front seat, there's three passenger seats in the middle. And then when you get to the back of the car, there is two other seats, but here's where these crazy, who, who went to Volvo? Is it Swiss people? Swiss people? Swedish? Swedish, thank you, Swedish people. So the Swedish people, I've got a nice idea, yeah. Okay, so they think, let's do this. Let's put the seats backwards in the car. So you drive facing out backwards. No, 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 you're not listening. This is me subjected to 10 hours in the car of this. 
winding road. Like, this is me as an eight-year-old boy and my youngest sister, we're in the back. Now listen, just remember, you have to put luggage somewhere. And where does the luggage go? Yeah, in the back. Thank you, Sweden or Swedish or whoever invented it, right? Like, this is what I'm subjected to. Now, this is crazy. 10 hours driving backwards in this car. Oh, man. I, and so from this day, like, even go, even walking backwards, I get dizzy. <laughs> I get petrified. Like, and, and, and true story, I remember driving. We got so sick of it, me and my younger sister, Heather. And we would be driving, and we'd literally get a piece of paper in a crayon. And when cars drove up close to the back, because you're literally facing people out the back, we would hold up this piece of paper that said, help. <laughs> All right, right? This is us. <laughs> so... You can understand why I might be a little bit traumatised by the, the long drives, would you agree? Yes, yes. But here's the thing. Um, what was fascinating about this stage of my life, and even though I was taking these long drives, I always loved the destination. I loved the destination. Man, we're going to go to the snow or we're going to go to this place. And I, I loved the destination. But the reason why this backwards experience of going in the Volvo 200 series station wagon traumatized me so much wasn't necessarily because of the seats facing and all those things, although they are traumatic. Um, it was actually because, man, it was so boring. Like you are sitting. Now, again, this is in the 80s for all the 80s people out there. There is nothing really invented. You can't sit there watching Netflix on a phone. The best you've got is that little Donkey Kong one. Remember that one? It was amazing, right? This, but again, even then, like you, you are subjected to sitting there all the while longing for the destination, but enduring the journey. Enduring the journey. Can't wait to get there. But I guess I'll just put up with the journey. Now, here is my point. I want to make here. Um, I would say this, again, speculation, but I feel like many believers in the church today, not to kind of segregate people here today, I know there's not everyone here in this room will call themselves a Jesus follower, but for the Jesus followers in this room, I would say this, there's many people here today uh, or in Christendom today who would, um, who would think in a very similar way. I am longing for the destination, but I'm just enduring the journey. In fact... Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's a little bit boring. It's a little bit boring. You're thinking, no, James, it's not boring. Well, I, I think that what's happened over the last couple of decades in the life of the church, again, this is me just speculating across the life or the body of, the, of, of Christ, the church. Um, I would say this, that um, we have become very accustomed with a new type of normal when it comes to church. And I think a lot of people are sitting in our churches right now, and quite frankly, they're bored. Let me ask you a question, ready? Um, let me see if I can identify what you would consider a normal Sunday in church. Normal Sunday. Okay, you would arrive here on the Gold Coast location. There'll be some people greeting you out there. That's lovely. How great are those people? We're amazing, right? We love those. And you'll get welcomed in. There'll be people on the door. They'll welcome, you come in. There's a bit of a pre-service hang. You might get a coffee. You'll come in. And then what? Worship will happen. Worship's amazing, by the way. How good is it? I'm, like, I'm really proud of that team because, you know, with their skills and my coaching, they've come a long way. And I'm, playing, I'm playing, right? But... They, that you would have what? You have worship and typically, you know, if you've been around here long enough, you'll know even roughly, okay, I don't know every song that's going to be played, but, but most likely there's going to be like three songs in a tag. Yep. Three songs in a tag. I know how it's going to roll. Someone will get up and maybe like Pastor Tommy did a great job. Welcome you. Thank you so much for having a prayer request. And, and that's great. Then someone will come up like myself and they'll preach or teach from the Bible. And then we'll have a moment where we pray at the end. And then the service concludes and we go about our nine to five. Question, are any of those things bad? No, 
they're beautiful, they're amazing. But this has become our normal. That is a normal Sunday. I could almost bank on it. Like this is gonna happen every single week and all those things are great. But what, what I think is happening is that we're, we're kind of bored. Like, is this it? I love it, but is this it? Have I reached the pinnacle of my Christian experience? Am I now sitting in my seat waiting to get to the destination? And I can't wait to get there, but I'll just kind of put up again. Like, is that it? Now, I, I've been doing a bit of a journey around this because um, to be honest with you, I, I was bored. I'm like, I've been around church forever. I'm 40 years old since I was six years old. You know, I've been in church. So this is a long time, 34 years been around this. And I love my church, love the church I grew up in. I love all of it. But again, I'm like, man, I'm a little bit bored. Like, is this it? And then I started to look at Scripture. And when I looked at the teachings of Jesus, and not just the teachings of Jesus, and I looked at the lifestyle of Jesus and his followers, guess what I found out? Their normal was radically different to ours. The Jesus normal was so different. And I'm going to put this down to four things. There's probably more, but there's four things that I see consistently throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and throughout the book of Acts that were considered normal to the gatherings or the journey of the Jesus follower. Ready? Here's the four things. They would declare the kingdom of heaven. They would do that all the time, everywhere they went, talk about the kingdom of heaven. The next thing they would do, they would heal the sick. They would cast out demons and they would help the poor. These were four things you saw in every expression of the church, especially in the Gospels, through Jesus' ministry and through the ministry of the church in the book of Acts. This was the norm in that church. Now, question, do you think we might have drifted from the norm? Do you think that maybe we've created a new normal in Christianity that was never Jesus' normal in the first place? Just a thought, just a thought, right? But here's what I think's happened, okay? When I look at the disciples of Jesus and the way they followed him, I never ever saw the disciples' expression as, well, this is boring. Here we go again. Jesus is healing people. <laughs> Another demon? Wow, here we go. Let's get it out. Like, no, this was a journey. In fact, the disciples came back from Jesus after being sent out saying, you wouldn't believe it. They listened to us as well. Like we're healing people. We're doing this. We're delivering people. Like this was a normal that excited and brought life to the believer. My question is this, are you living Westernized Christianity's version or normal? Or are you, re are you actually living the gospel's version of normal? Which one are you in? Because I'm telling you, one is gonna be extremely boring. The other one is gonna be a journey that is exciting every single day of the week, not just on a Sunday. So I'm gonna put it to you this way. I'm gonna use a word that I'll explain what it means if not to insult your intelligence, but here's my, my kind of view of what's happening right now. If we are honest, honest, most charismatic churches or Pentecostal churches like us, have become closet cessationists. You think that's that's a word I haven't heard. What does that mean, James? A cessationist is a group of is literally it's a group of church or a theology in church that believes that things like healing, signs, wonders, all those things actually ceased with the apostles. They no longer happen in the church. It ceased. It was there just to get the church started, but now the church has started, we don't need it anymore. That's what you would call a cessationist. But here's the thing: I believe most charismatic churches have become closet cessationists. 
We've become closet cessationists. We have been, we've given more attention to preaching good ideas and creating engaging services while ignoring the power that accompanies the gospel. We must never forget that the church is meant to be a space, listen, where people engage with the life-changing power of the Spirit of God. Why do I think you're bored? Why do I think we have become bored? Because maybe you're bored because your faith in God or maybe you're bored with your faith because you expect too little of God. And catch this, maybe God's bored with your faith because you expect too little of Him. Let's say that one more time. I'm going to anyway, I'll get the microphone. Maybe you're bored with your faith because you expect too little of God. And maybe God's bored with your faith because you expect too little of Him. See, I think there is only one relationship in your life right now for those who are Jesus follower, uh, you're Jesus follower. Guess what? There's only one relationship in your life that's saying to you, hey, expect more of me. And guess who that is? God. Listen, your wife, your husband's like, you know what? I wish you'd expect more of me. No, they're not doing that. No one else is doing that. (laughs) I'm sorry. You wish they would say that, but no, it's not happening. But guess what God is saying? Hey, church, believer, why do you expect so little? Why do you have such little expectation of me? Why do you come into church and expect, well, here's the norm, a couple of songs, they're great, I love all that stuff, and not expect the normal that Jesus brought. Hey, you know what? A normal Sunday should be, listen, healings are happening. People are getting set free. It would be our normal. So let's unpackage these really quickly, okay? So how do we continue the work of Jesus or how do we experience that normal? Because here's what we see in Scripture. When Jesus referred to uh, the disciples or He sent out the disciples, He said, hey, guess what, guys? Um, you're going to do the same works as I did and even greater. Just stop there. Just think about that for a moment. The same works as Jesus. The same. You, sitting in your chair right now, guess what Jesus says? Hey, what I did, you can do that too. Oh, no, no, no I don't really believe that. And the reason why we don't believe that, again, is because we've settled for a normal, that it's me simply getting more knowledge about God, but not allowing that knowledge to dictate an experience or a lifestyle that shapes my world. Okay? But Jesus said, you'll do the same. You'll do even greater. In fact, he sent out the disciples and he said, hey, here's the things I'm sending you out to do. So here, let's go through these things. Number one, um, what we're going to recognise is that we recognise our role in kingdom expansion. This is what we're meant to be doing. Kingdom expansion. What does that mean? He says, go and announce to them, the world, that the kingdom of heaven is near. It's within reach. It's there for every single person. So catch this. Hey, the kingdom, if, you were to, if I was to ask you, what do you think Jesus' dominant message was? Most people would say, love. It was love. Jesus was all about love. And yes, he was about love. But guess what his number one preach message was? The kingdom. He preached about the kingdom. What does the kingdom mean? If you break down the word kingdom, it means these two words, king's domain. In other words, kingdom in Scripture is God's sovereign authority. And when we are expanding kingdom, guess what we are expanding? God's sovereign authority. Okay, I haven't haven't found you. Let me put it to you this way. Has anyone ever heard of an embassy before? Of course you have, an embassy. If you go to uh, an embassy in a different country, let's just say you were to go uh, to Canada or you were to go to the Middle East or wherever you go, um, you'd find an embassy that represents our country or a country. So if you were to go there, you'd find an Australian embassy most likely. And when you step onto that embassy, guess what they refer to that embassy as? Sovereign soil. What does that mean? 
When you step over the mark of that gate, when you literally step through the gate, you are no longer in that country, you are back in Australia. Why? Because you are now under the authority and the governance of that country. So when Jesus said, go and expand the kingdom, he's saying, go and basically put it like this, go and set up as many embassies you can in every place you get to. But embassies that carry the king's domain. Guess what? Hey, guess what, family? Your household is an embassy for the kingdom. It's an embassy. You don't, this is not just the church here. Oh, this is the embassy. Let's come on, let's run towards the embassy every Sunday because we need to find you know, that comfort. In the, no, this is a place like that. Yes, absolutely. But also wherever you step, you actually are bringing the king's domain into that area. So now you are, listen, and with that comes what? The king's rule. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. Again, he's speaking to a Roman culture where it's all about external pleasures. And it says, it's not about those things. He said, it's, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's three things that should be trademarks of the king's domain, righteousness. In other words, I'm, I'm secure, I'm perfect and pleasing, presentable for the Lord. Like I just bring that, I'm, I bring peace, a heavenly peace and I bring joy. So our domain as Jesus followers should be we're bringing righteousness, peace and joy in every space. Hey, business people, when you step in your business, guess what you're saying? I am claiming this area for the kingdom and I am bringing the king's domain. What? Righteousness, peace and joy. He said to the disciples, go tell people, that the kingdom of heaven is near or it's within reach. I want you to be a part of this as well because what we're meant to do as Jesus followers is to invite people not to stay at a distance from the kingdom, but to join the kingdom, be a part of it. The next thing he says, go and heal the sick. I couldn't wait to get to this point, ready? He says, what we must do as Jesus followers, if you were to follow him, I'll tell you, this is far from boring, but we boldly go after healing and miracles. Boldly, boldly. Okay, so I put this, um, I put this Instagram uh, post up uh, a little while ago, you can follow me at James A. Murray. But when you, when you, I'm joking. But this, uh, have you ever had an Instagram post that you put up and you're thinking, man, this is going to be so good? In my head, I'm putting it out. I'm like, man, this potentially might spark revival in our nation. I'm thinking this is going to be really good. And I put out this post, and here's what I put out a couple of weeks ago. I said, um, uh, I said this in my post: God is not a reluctant healer, so don't be a reluctant asker. And I'm thinking, send. Whew, Get ready. People are going to be yeah, like, I don't know, there's this fires of revival break out all across the nation. And then I got a friend of mine who I love dearly and I really respect. And he jumped on the post and he actually put a comment on there that actually at first I'm like, whoa, okay. And he said this to me. He said, um, he said so what does it mean if someone enthusiastically asks God for healing but doesn't receive it? Question mark. Does that mean they weren't audacious enough in their request or was God unwilling to help or heal them? How many people really appreciate friends like that? <laughs> Love him. Love him dearly. His name's Dave. He's a good friend, Aussie Dave. And, uh, he's been doing stuff with that church before. But, and I love it because I love the motive behind which he asks the questions. It's a beautiful motive. It's not meant to be, you know, bringing anyone down or causing disunity. It's actually beautiful. And so I'm like, hmm, that's, that's a... And I sat on it for a second. And so I wrote back to him, um, great question, Dave. <laughs> and I said this. There is definitely great mystery around healing. Here is what I do believe. God is a healer. Sometimes people are healed and sometimes people aren't. I believe that we should pray for healing for ourselves and others and believe that God can heal and that we should be in the habit of doing so. 
In the same way a parent sometimes give their children what they want and sometimes they don't give their kids what they want, it's not because they don't love them, it's because they have other reasons which at the time are unknown to the child. God will one day reveal all, but until then he asks us to keep asking. So I believe our default position should be to ask and believe that he can heal, send. Yes. Because here's the thing, we've all asked that, have we not? The reason why some people get scared about talking about healing is like, what if it doesn't work? What if we get someone's hopes up and we pray for something that's serious and nothing happens? To which I would say, what if it does? And I guess I want to stir your faith here this morning a little bit on this because um, we've been really... trying to live this out in our Sydney location, especially from our breakthrough series. It really sparked something in us. And we said, let's, let's believe God for healings. Let's go for it. And guess what's starting to happen? Healings. People getting healed. Okay, we were sitting in church uh, a couple of weeks ago and I'm in prayer at the very end, just preached about faith. And, and I, there's a guy in our church who had a friend of a friend. His son had this thing called a spinal stroke. A spinal stroke is, is basically where the spine just shuts down. Uh, so the base of the spine shuts down and they can no longer walk. This 12-year-old boy, who was an athletic boy, like go to athletics, sports, and suddenly he could not walk. And they're like, we don't know how this happens or why it happens, but he can no longer walk. And this friend of mine, this guy in our church said, hey, do you think we can pray for him as a church to get healed? And so I'm like, absolutely. And I'd prayed for him that week. But in the service that day, at the end of the service, I said, his name's Jeff. I said, Jeff, stand up with your wife. I said, let's pray together as a whole church for this young boy and his healing. It was 10.30 a.m. on that Sunday morning. We prayed, Lord, heal him. Simple prayer. Just so you know, it's not simple. Just so you know, when you're praying for healing, you're not trying to convince God. Like, God, please, please. Like, have you noticed Jesus' prayer for healing? He's simple. Get up, walk. Lazarus, come forth. Like, simple. And so God, you love this child. God, we pray for healing in his spine. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what we prayed. I was waiting to preach at our PM service in our city location. And as I'm just doing a bit of prep work in my office, I'm, I'm sitting there, I get a text from Jeff. He says, James, oh my gosh, what time did we pray for this young boy? I said, it was around about 10.30, 10.31. And he sends me a video of 10.38, this boy walking again. 10.38. And the doctor said, he's never gonna walk again. And he walked out of that hospital. Come on, to God be the glory. All right, one more, one more. Lady in our church, she, a couple of months ago, got diagnosed with stage four cancer. She's been told to get her affairs in order, get it sorted, tell your kids, we're gonna go into chemo, but this is not looking good. This is aggressive cancer. We said, no, no, we're gonna pray for her as a church. So we prayed, Lord, God, bring healing into her body. We, we spoke against cancer in her life. And then she went to go and get her test, her original test where they test the blood count, I think it is what they call it. And her blood count for the, these cells were like over 400, which is really, really bad. They said, normal blood count needs to be around about 30 and yours is at 400. I said, no, nah, this is not looking good. But we prayed for her. And when she went back to get her blood count again, the doctor was shocked. He says, oh my gosh, this never happens. She said, what? He said, your blood count was like 400 and something. Your blood count right now is 16. It's gone from 400 to 16 to which, okay. But again, there's still some cancer, some still some stuff there. And we're like, no, let's keep praying for healing. So we go back again and pray. She texts me last week. She's saying, you would not believe it. The doctors are shocked. There is not a trace of cancer in my body anymore. Come on, how good is that? Come on, God still heals. 
So my encouragement, come on church, let's make healing prayer our first response to sickness and pain and trust God to do the rest. Whatever doesn't happen, what if it does? What if this week, church, I put out this challenge. What if this week, instead of when someone says, oh, I'm feeling sick, listen, well, instead of maybe going, whoa, that sucks, or hey, maybe you should take a Panadol, or hope you rest up, maybe saying, hey, do you mind if I just pray for you? Don't make it weird. Please don't make it weird. If you do, say you're from another church. Like, don't make it weird, right? But, but just make it simple. Lord, you love this person. Would you bring healing into their life? In Jesus' name, amen. Will they get healed? I don't know. But at the end of the day, it's not my choice. I am not the healer. We are not the healer. We are just conduits for God's healing to flow through, but we're going to go for it all the same. Moving quickly. Next thing, we boldly take authority over the demonic. Oh, this is big. Mark 16, verse 17. And these are the signs that will follow those who believe in the name of Jesus or in my name, they will cast out demons. Oh, here we go. Let's not talk about this. Really, James? One of the... Uh, Charles Baudelaire, he was an 18th century French poet because I know many of you would read French poetry. He said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. It's the greatest trick. The devil doesn't exist. But we've got to recognise that there is, there is a spiritual realm. There is both good and evil at war right now, even in this service, even over your lives throughout the, throughout the week. It's called spiritual warfare. Now, again, we don't want to go too, like, we just got to recognize this stuff is happening and recognize that, here's the thing, we're sometimes too scared about it, to talk about this in church. But you realize the world is fascinated with the supernatural right now. Do you know, like, most of the top movies that are out right now, the top series, they're all about the supernatural. Stranger Things, it's all about the supernatural. Doctor Strange, the multiverse, like, it's all about these things. Why? Because the world is fascinated with the supernatural, but yet the church is too scared to talk about it. And we are the ones who have the answer to the things that are dark and gripping people's lives in this world. But we've got to recognise that Jesus gave us authority over those things. But here's what you're going to rest on. Just so you know, just a little side note here. Not every problem is supernatural. And not every problem is natural. So you're going to know that, right? So I hear people, they're like super spiritual. And they're like, oh my gosh, I just under so much oppression this week. I went to the coffee shop and they... <laughs> Instead of almond, they put it on like normal full cream. And I feel like it was a demonic oppression. Please. I was driving to church. I got a flat tire. It was a demon. No, 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 no. This is called a flat tire. It's called life. So don't over the top on this one because not everything is supernatural. But again, not everything is natural. So there are some things as a church that we need to, as believers, not ignore or fear supernatural, but we must boldly defeat it through the authority Jesus gave us. So listen, there's some things happening in your marriage right now and it's not all natural. Some of it is. Some of it is like pure wisdom. Spend more time together. Stop arguing about things that do not matter. Simple wisdom. <laughs> some people are laughing. <laughs> You're doing the nudge, right? And that's it. I've been blaming the demons. It was just you. Okay, so <laughs> but listen, some of you need to actually recognise that there is an enemy to your marriage. He hates the unity you have. He wants to destroy the relationship you have with your kids. He is against it. That's why you must take authority in your household and say, nah, -uh, this is an embassy of the kingdom of God. Come no further. This is the kingdom's reign right here. Yeah, right? Last but not least, he actually goes on to say that we need to compassionately serve the poor. 
And this is huge because we often neglect this last part as well. All that other stuff is exciting and amazing, but I know as we come into Christmas and we've got some great initiatives as a church we're getting behind across every location. But this is so important because if you look anywhere the church went, all these four things were evident. In fact, do you know what ultimately turned the Roman Empire upside down and made Christianity the number one religion of that empire? It actually wasn't healing signs, wonders, all those things were happening. Do you know what ultimately turned it over, like upside down? Was the way they treated the poor. Because in the world of, of the Roman Empire, if you are sick or poor or less fortunate, I mean, get away because I'm about seeking pleasure and avoiding pain and infant, like, I don't want that. And Christians took them in. And suddenly more people got taken in and the church started to grow to the point where the emperor at the time said, man, there's too many of them now. Like, and we don't know whether his conversion was legit or not, but he made a decision. No, Christianity is now the number one because we can't ignore the way they're serving the people of our empire. It was good. And I thought about this, like why is that so important that we make that a part of following Jesus? Because the greatest act of love is doing something for someone who you know can do nothing in return. That's why he said, Help the poor because that's called agape love. It's one way love. So those four things as I finish, like if you would apply them, if you would apply, we were to apply them this week, I'm going to start bringing the kingdom into every space I go. I'm going to go for healing. I'm going to go against, if I sense this demonic oppression or whatever it is, I'm going to go against and I'm going to start helping them. Can I tell you, you won't come into next Sunday going, well, I hope they play my favourite worship song. I hope he's on or she's on preaching. You won't care because you'll be coming and going, you would not believe what my week's been like. And now Sunday like this becomes a moment of celebration for what the churches have done just throughout the week, not just about, well, let's just get to another Sunday. And this was the church. So why do I think you're bored with your faith? Maybe you have adopted the wrong normal. And maybe what God did through the last couple of years and shutting down churches, not again, not saying He caused that, but let's say He used that. And maybe He was trying to stimulate again, hey church, your normal, it was boring the body of Christ. And it's time to wake it back up again. Let's come back to the normal. Would you stand to your feet as we close? I hope today that this is not just something that is, you know, stirring you to think differently. I hope it's stirring you to live differently. To live differently. And you you could imagine what the Gold Coast would look like. Just imagine. If even 30% of the people in this room said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to enter in tomorrow realising that the sphere God put me in, my nine to five, whatever it might be, my day to day, and I am going to continue the ministry of Jesus because He said, you're going to do the same, even greater. And He gave us authority to do so. Imagine what it would look like. Imagine. Imagine how exciting your faith is going to be. You're going to be like, man, here's the thing. Guarantee, if you pray for someone this week and they don't get healed, I guarantee you, you're still going to come into church with excitement. Why? Because you know what? I still went for it. Something happened. But what if it does? Like, oh my gosh. Healings. Bringing the King. All these things were normal to the Jesus follower. They should be normal to us. So I want to pray today. I want you to close your eyes where you're at. I'm going to finish with two prayers. The first prayer is for 
people in this room, you're Jesus followers. And I actually really wanna believe that this stirs your heart to action, to living this out, I really do. But that's why you need the Holy Spirit. He empowers you to do that. That's why Jesus said, you gotta wait for the Holy Spirit because He's the reason why you're gonna live out the ministry that I had, because Jesus also had the Spirit. And He relied on the Spirit to operate and move in the ways in which He did. And He's saying, I want you to do the same. So I wanna pray for those people. I also wanna make a point here that if you need prayer for healing or anything here today, at the end of our service, myself and some of the prayer team are gonna be the dumb, we're gonna conclude the service, but we're gonna be here praying for you. So don't stay in your seat. You need prayer? Come down. I got, I got faith. I got faith. But I don't have any, James. It's all good. We've got some. When Jesus saw their faith, four guys carrying a leper, oh, sorry, a lame man, they, they got healed. Their faith, not his, theirs. So it's all good. We've got faith for you. But I want to pray for us as believers. So that first prayer that we would be so stirred to live this out. So let's pray. Lord, I pray for every person in this room, everybody who is a Jesus follower today, they would be so stirred, Lord. God, to live out the ministry of Jesus we've been given. God, You said we would do the same works, Lord, even greater. So I pray that You would stir us towards that and we would be so compelled this week, God, and Holy Spirit, You just start to whisper in our ears or or, or nudge us towards the need of our city and, and towards people, whether that be the poor, whether that be someone who's literally going through a dark time, they need some deliverance of some sort or whether it's healing, God, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that we would have the boldness to step out into it. So come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit to a work in us and through us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tune in next week for more great messages and to stay up to date with what's happening at GLOW. For more information, check us out on our social media platforms or on our website, glowchurch.com. We hope you have an awesome week.